Father's house, we want to welcome our Greece campus with us. Those who are joining us online, our Life Center, very excited in about three weeks' time, our jail campus. And in about three months from now, our prison campus here in, um, in New York State. Can we just welcome everybody that is right now in this moment with us? So excited. Oh, it's good to be in church. It's good to be in church. So today we are finishing us our series uh, called Life Hacks. And it's been really phenomenal. But today is, is one that nobody can uh, matrix out and say, oh, it doesn't work that way for me. So, so I want to share with you, um, I, I love listening to music like you. I'm selective in my music. Anything that sounds country, no. <laughs> so I know, I know, don't write me. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And I was sitting uh, at an at a airport and, and you know when, when it goes from what you want to listen to to random playlists? And, and then this song come up. I was sure this was the devil, but anyway. Now, now this bluegrass song came up, and I'm like, let me just venture down this trail of destruction and see where it takes me. Well, what is so interesting is the words of the song is what we are talking about today. The word says, there ain't no one who can turn on me. Remember every stupid thing I've said. There ain't no enemy stronger than the whispering voice in my head. I said there ain't no enemy stronger than the whispering voice in my head. Come on. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you know when you get to bed at night? You know when you plan a wonderful vacation, but you take the voice with you? The voice that can defeat you, the voice that can scare you, the voice that is a constant. Yet, the Bible talks about how powerful it is when our minds are renewed and filtered through God's Word because that voice becomes a cheerleader in your life. Now, today we're going to be talking about toxic thoughts. And how to change it. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, no, you've got some. I can, I can just feel them right now. I'm an empath, baby. I'm so glad you're in church. going to help you. And, and we've got two amazing speakers today uh, from our Childlike campus. Bonnie Hoofline is going to start us off as, as um, we get ready. And, and then uh, we're going to go to our Greece campus. And Caleb, my son Duplessis, is going to be speaking from our Childlike Greece campus to us. And I want you to do me a favor when they come up and when they are done. I want you to cheer them even if you don't believe a word they said. I want you to just cheer them on because I've heard what they said. And I encourage you, take out your smartphone. Thou shall not go on Facebook and Instagram and the house of the Lord. Only on notes. I would make a lot of notes because I believe that our lives will never look different than the thoughts we think. If you don't like your life... You've got to change your thoughts. And that is our journey today. So check out this bumper video as we get ready for this journey.
Good morning. So, all right, all right. Picture this. I was a college student, and the policy at the school that I went to was that you had to live in the dorm if you were an undergraduate. But I told them that I was very mature because I was 23, and I persuaded them to let me get my own apartment. I was really trying to save money from not living in the dorm, right? So I said I was mature and I needed solitude. And so they let me get my own apartment. But that wasn't all that bright. I wasn't all that mature. So one fine summer afternoon, I decided it would be a really good idea to, s I saw this roof to the porch on the lower floor. I was on the second floor and on the lower floor, there was a roof outside my kitchen window to the porch. And I said, wouldn't it be great if I went out there in my swimsuit with my Diet Coke and a beach towel and worked on my tan. I thought that was a really genius idea. I think I saw it in a commercial, to be honest with you. So I did that, I, I put my swimsuit on, I went out there with my diet Pepsi or whatever it was in a beach towel, and after about an hour, I went to come back in. And when I went to come back in this really big old window, it slammed on my fingers and it slammed tight. And I was out there in so much pain and I was like seeing stars because I was in agony and I couldn't yell because I was like, help, help, help. And you know what I decided? If you have a stupid idea and you get stuck, it's worse if you're alone. Because I was alone and I was stuck. And somehow I didn't, all that malarkey I gave the dean about being mature, that like dried up out the window. Not bright at all. So um, a couple weeks ago, I was asked to speak this morning on toxic thinking. And I, that's just such a multifaceted topic. I said, well, you could think about rejection or rebellion or fear or pride or unbelief or legalism or idolatry. And those are all really fun topics. But I decided the one that I'm thinking about these days and hearing about these days is loneliness. I feel like, like here in Rochester, people eat things called garbage plates. And what are some of the components of a garbage plate? Yell out if you know. Say it again. Burgers. Macaroni, mac salad, sometimes some home fries. But over the whole thing is the meat sauce. And loneliness is the meat sauce over toxic thinking for me. Because I feel like if the enemy of your soul can get you isolated, he can lie to you, and you can do all kinds of uh, cockamamie thinking. So here's the thing. Loneliness is the pervasive, overarching aspect of to the toxic, toxic thinking for me. Loneliness, alienation, isolation, and abandonment really make it so that you start listening to the lies that aren't the truth. But sometimes, it really is true that you might be alienated. It might not be just in your mind. There might be reasons why you are alone. Uh, I think it's possible that you hear uh, lines in your mouth that say things like, I don't fit in, they don't understand me, I'm different than them, they don't know what I've done, they don't know my background, I'm not from the right family, I'm ashamed of my past, and the list goes on. They don't know uh, what I've done, and they don't, they'll never understand me. Do you know it's possible to be lonely in a crowded room, at a party? It's possible to be lonely in your family, even uh, on a crowded campus, you could be feeling like you don't fit in and you're alone. But the truth is, if we're part of God's family and if we've received the gift 
of salvation. And we believe in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and we've received that into our hearts. We're never alone because the God of the universe, the Holy Spirit, lives inside us, and we are in Christ. We're not alone. Theologically, we believe, if we receive Jesus, that we are not alone. And in fact, I think the cure for loneliness is belonging to God's family. Theologically, we are never alone because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are having perfect fellowship in heaven. They are in unity, and they are in heaven. And if I'm in Christ, that means that I am invited to have fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that incredible? And that means that it says in Romans 8, 14, I'm going to read it in this Passion Translation, which is really just a blessing to me these days. It says here, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back to fear and never being good enough. You have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned, for he, as he rises up within you, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we are all inherit all that he is and all that he has, and we will experience being co-glorified with him, provided we accept his sufferings as our own. That is such good news. I uh, challenge you to write down Romans 8, 14 to 17, and read that over when you're by yourself, and say, Lord, please wash over me with this truth and help me to, to receive it into my heart as being the real truth, that I'm part of God's family. I can't get voted out. I can't age out. I can't uh, gain too much weight. And like uh, I, in the olden days, I think airline stewardesses, they said they had to be a certain weight or they wouldn't, couldn't fly. Good thing that's not our portion. In Christ, we can be, we're in because of Jesus, not because of our performance, not because of what we've done, because we are in Christ. And so if the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have invited me to sit at their, their table and they're the ultimate cool kids, I get to sit at the cool kids' table. Unlike in fifth grade when those mean girls said, you can't sit there. We're saving that for our real friends. Or, you know, you can't get uh, audition for a show and not get in. Or you can't um, get on the team because you got cut from the team. The family of God is not like that. And so we are hidden with Christ and God. That's a beautiful thing. And uh, because of that, I will tell you that I don't think feeling alone is a new thing. I feel like David said in the Old Testament, my tears are liquid words. You can read them all. My friends stay away from me, avoiding me like the plague. Even my family wants nothing to do with me. Meanwhile, my enemies are out to kill me. Moses, he was alone, leading all those stubborn people, and he didn't have a golf league on Tuesdays. Daniel was alone in Babylon. He had a solitary life, and he didn't have a bowling league. And Joseph was alone in that prison, and he didn't have a fantasy football team, fantasy football group. And he didn't have any video game friends. But he must have known something about belonging that had to do with God himself, not the condition of the loneliness. Sometimes we really are isolated. Ruth didn't have a cool yoga class. Esther didn't have an amazing book club. But they must have known something different that was separate from loneliness. They knew that, they were being, uh, they were, that God was watching over them 
and that he was caring for them. That is really good news. If I know that I'm a much-loved daughter of God, and that help makes a lot of toxic thinking go away. You know, a holly berry, you don't have to go push, pull all the holly berries off the holly bush. When the holly berries are about a year old, the new blossoms come on and the old berries fall away. And I feel like right thinking about the way God thinks about you makes bad thoughts sort of dissolve. Bad thoughts dissolve when you put the truth of God's word, who he says about you, and who, how he feels about you. If you put that into your heart in the morning, then when you go about your business during the day, you reflect on the fact that God cares about you and he loves you. The Holy Spirit bubbles up inside you. And he's, he's like, it's like an ongoing texting, you know. These people who are newly in love, they're texting all day long, 40,000 texts. I can have ongoing conversation with the Lord. And that fights those toxic thoughts, of which, for me, loneliness is one that really um, is a bugging one. Do you know the other thing that I believe? I believe that we remember that we were made for other people. We were made for other people. That means that even if you got that first rock, the first most important thing, establish that you're in Christ and that you love God, you're like a tree that's planted and it's beautiful and the roots go down, but you know the byproduct, a healthy tree bears fruit and a healthy fruit in your life of being rooted in Christ is that your relationships are blessed. And we were made for fellowship. We were made for other people. And uh, it's not an optional thing. It's not socializing. Fellowship is miraculous because when I'm with you and you're in Christ, that means the Holy Spirit in me and the Holy Spirit in you are, are having uh, this divine exchange. And you can maybe hear from God for me. You can pray for me. You can be uh Galatians says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You can't do that with, by yourself with your cat. Uh, I, I heard this woman say to me she had a breakthrough in the area of patience. I'm like, no, you didn't. Your kids moved out. You don't have any. There's no one home. You and your cat. I'm feeling very humble in my, I'm having humility. I'm having a season of a, a humility. It's like you're by yourself. Who are you humble with? Your puppy? I don't know what to tell you. You can't grow in virtue in isolation. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the meekness, and the gentleness are not supposed to be for your pets. They're not supposed to be for your online relationships. Oh, I like, I love it. I'm loving all my friends. Love, 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 love. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, that's the nature of your love rather than you getting on the phone and saying, why don't you come over? I'll make coffee, and we can talk about what you're going through, and um, at least I can, I can give you a hug. I mean, the absence of hugs is a problem. We need more actual contact. I want to see your face, not on the f not FaceTime. I want to be able to put my arms around you and say, I'm sorry this is happening to you. What can I do to help? And sometimes that casserole, it really helps. Okay, it's a mediocre tuna casserole, but you know what? We're together, and God is helping us. And, uh, and I'm sorry it's not keto or vegan, but we're going to eat it <laughs> because God is going to help us. Uh, if you're rooted in Christ, you can be, uh, uh, it's not socializing, it's the actual, the word fellowship sort of has a bad, it's like, when I think of fellowship, it's like I'm in a basement and there's mildew and there's bad coffee and a styrofoam cup. And the men all have really old golf shirts on and that's fellowship from like the 80s. It was a very popular word. Everything was a fellowship. But the real truth is fellowship authentically means that the Holy Spirit in us is having, is having community that's not just a bowling league or Amway. It's that there's something miraculous exchange happening between us. 
And, and so if we first are rooted in Christ and then we are in fellowship with one another, we can, we can fight the toxic thoughts. Sometimes your friend says something that that's doesn't even make sense and it isn't scriptural and, is, and you're like, yeah, that, we don't even believe that. You know, I'm just not good enough and I tried and it didn't work. It's like, well, the grace of God has nothing to do with your personal effort. And those people over there that are all happy, self-disciplined people, maybe they had German parents, I don't know, but I didn't have that. <laughs> you know, we were delight-directed. We watched I watched television for the first 18 years of my life. I'm not sure I read a book before cover to cover until I left home when I had to. So the Lord can grow us. The Lord can change us. The Lord can help us be uh, become who we're supposed to be and be healthy. But if you stay like I was out on that roof and you feel like you're stuck and you're alone, I tell you that I think that if we pray, I pray that if you're feeling stuck, that the type of toxic thinking that stems from loneliness, that you'll come and get prayer, that you'll join a small group, and that you'll learn more what, a what it means to belong to the family of God. Back there on that roof, eventually my neighbor came down home from work, and she let me back in again, and I was relieved, and I didn't, wasn't feeling all that mature at that moment. But the Lord is faithful, and he wants us to be in community, and he wants to reveal the nature of us being his sons, much-loved sons and daughters, that he wants to partner with us so that he can bring the kingdom of God through us to our communities, our families, our workplaces. And that is a very exciting thing to fight toxic thinking. Thanks. Good afternoon, church. Show of hands, who here has ever successfully or attempted to learn another language? Maybe it was high school, college, Rosetta Stone, any Duolingo out there? Duolingo, I've tried every language. I don't stay with it, but that's okay. Maybe just talking about and mentioning languages, bringing back those memories of all the subjects, all the verbs, all the conjugations, and you're almost getting nervous. But the reason why I brought this up is because I started taking French in fifth grade. And I stuck with French from fifth grade all the way till I graduated in 12th grade, and I had the same teacher the whole way through, Madame O'Donovan. Now, on the first day of my first French class, before we even got to learning anything, she told us one thing. She said, your French is only going to be as good when you stop thinking in English and translating word to word into French. It's going to be good when you start thinking and speaking solely in French. Now, easier said than done, but she wasn't wrong. Now this morning, I want to discuss two languages with you that we all know, and we all have the ability to speak. The two languages is toxic thinking and the language of God's word. Now what I mean by this is it can be too easy to get stuck in our negative and our untrue thoughts, and instead of making the translation to God's word. So today, we're going to discuss ways of identifying toxic thoughts and understanding the power they have, as well as discussing practical ways to not only translate our toxic thoughts into what God's word says, but to also begin the discipline of thinking solely in the language of God's word. Now, the worst thing that can happen today is that you and I don't understand the immense power that our thoughts have over us. You see, uh, have you ever heard of the phrase, you are what you eat? Anyone? Maybe you've used it to try and get your kid to eat good things. But I want to suggest this morning that you and I are what we think. Meaning when we think negatively, we and our inner being become negative. When we think fearfully, we become fearful. Toxic thoughts cause us to become toxic 
humans. Proverbs 4.23 says, Carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. You see, most battles are won or lost in the mind. And the difference between defeat and victory resides in your decision to actively push back the language of toxic thoughts and to begin to translate and speak the language of God's word. Now, speaking of you are what you eat or you are what you think, this morning I want to take a look at two birds. Now, any bird people out there, we had a lot of bird fans. My dad, if you've ever fought him on Instagram, he's on like birdhouse number 15. He is obsessed. But the two birds we're going to discuss is a vulture and a hummingbird. Now, a vulture are big birds that roam the air and search for pretty much one thing, dead animals and roadkill. They eat it and it's rotten meat, but it's their diet. Well, a hummingbird, small in size, searches for one thing, the sap and the nectar of nature. Now, you and I, just like a vulture finds roadkill, will never struggle to find toxic thoughts. And causing us to become filled with fear and anxiety, but you and I also have the choice to become hummingbirds of life, where we choose to not eat the diet of roadkill, but instead you and I intentionally search for the sweet nectar and sap that's found in God's word. Now, the root of most sins you and I commit outwardly is the false beliefs and the toxic thoughts that we embrace inwardly. And in order to experience the freedom and of life in a, with a clean heart, we must identify and reject toxic thoughts and keep us from God, uh, to keep us to God's best. So step one is to identify toxic thoughts. This morning, I want to suggest that there's four big sections of toxic thoughts. The first one is negative thoughts. The second, discontent. The third is critical. And the fourth is fearful. Now, we're going to spend just about two minutes looking at all of them. And because when we only speak the language of negative thinking, you and I lose sight of the spiritual truth that can set us free. Thoughts like, I'm no good, I'll always fail. No matter how hard I try, I'll never make a difference. God could never love me after all I've done. Then we can see the effect of discontent thinking. Because when we only speak the language of discontent thinking, you and I become stuck and bitter. There was a psychology study where they asked a whole bunch of people and did a study on discontent comparisons. Our brain makes these comparisons all the time between rich, poor, attractive, ugly, desirable, undesirable. They have, I don't have. These comparisons are happening all the time and they're toxic thinking, but the result of these when undealt causes a fixation and you and I's brains, and it actually blinds us to the new opportunities that God is putting before us. Thirdly, when we only speak the language of critical thinking, we lose proximity to the people around us. We lose proximity because we become sharp at our corners and become unapproachable to others. A study of criticism showed that for the majority of people, it's widely accepted that criticism isn't a fruitful thing, yet you and I find it so easy to do because it inflates our ego and pride and comes so naturally. And lastly, when we only speak the language of fearful thinking, 
we position ourselves in a posture of independence. As we take our trust and faith off of God and we put it on ourselves as a sense of security. It's like taking God to be just a medicine cabinet for supplementing pain rather than deciding that we're going to use him as a source of true life. Now, if any of those things sounded familiar, it might be that you're fluent in the language of toxic thinking. So what do we do after we've identified a toxic thought? Well, Philippians 4, 8 says, and it's going to go up on the screen, and I'd love for you to read it out loud with me. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Read that one part again. Think about such things. You see, Paul is saying that instead of continuing to meditate on the toxic poison, begin to meditate on God's word. So when you find yourself thinking a thought, ask yourself, is this thought in line with God's word or is it a toxic thought? If the thought is not in line with God's word, then we have to determine what is from God. Then we choose to think the God-like thoughts instead, and for a while, it's a step-by-step process of thinking in the language of toxic thought, translating it into God's word, and beginning to declare that over yourself. But just like when I first started learning French, it was real awkward. Over time, it became natural, and I began to solely think in the language of French. And you and I can begin to solely think in the language of God's word. But those eight years were filled not just with class time speaking French with my friends. There was hours upon hours of meditation over the French dictionary and the French words because I needed to learn them. So my question for you is, what do you need to do in your life to make room to meditate on God's word, to read the scripture so you can become fluent in the sweet nectar that flows from the Bible? So you're lying in bed and your mind is spiraling with toxic thoughts. How do you replace the toxic thoughts? Now, I'm not saying to replace toxic thoughts with just simply happy ones. I'm saying that when you begin to fixate and worry about work, worry about college, worry about your future, and you become anxious, and your thoughts are spiraling out of control, you get to translate those thoughts into God's word as you declare that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. I'm saying that when you look around you and people are driving the car you want, have the jobs you want, that they're taking the vacations you want and you become bitter and discontent. You can begin to declare God's sweet nectar like a hummingbird, as you say. Young lions may grow tired and hungry, but those intent on knowing the eternal God will have everything they need. Or Psalms 23, 1, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When you're lying in bed and you become overwhelmed with fear and negativity, it's your choice to translate those words into God's sweet nectar as you declare that you will trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path right. Now at first, it's step by step. It feels almost cumbersome. But as you learn the new language of God's word and you begin to solely think into that, no longer will the toxic thoughts have such power over you. 
Now, my personal journey with overcoming toxic thinking and searching for the sweet nectar that was in God's word has been a year-long intentional journey. Now, for me and my journey, it's consisted of going to therapy every week. And what therapy has been for me, it's been like going to a language teacher every Wednesday morning where I get to sit with my therapist, my language teacher, and she teaches me the language of declaring God's truth over the toxic thoughts and lies that I was believing. Now, just like a vulture is so used to roadkill, and roadkill is not hard to find, you and I are used to toxic thoughts. And we're actually not going to struggle to come across them, but what we get to do is we choose to become hummingbirds of life and not vultures of life as we get to search intentionally for the sweet nectar rather than give in to a roadkill diet. And for me and what it's done is when I come across the roadkill, when I come across the toxic thoughts, I still have them, but no longer do they drag me down. No longer do they have the stronghold on me like they used to before because now I get to translate those things into God's word. And I believe that as we all get to make this decision, God is looking down at all of us and his desire is for us to begin to develop a fluency in the language of his word, rather than just give in to a roadkill diet. Oh, how good is that? Come on, who will admit I'm a master vulture? Because you see, here is what you and I need to understand. There is wonderful... Uh, a set of books that Dr. Carolyn Leaf has written on the construct of the brain because what we don't understand is the more we think about something roadkill way, the more our brains begin to wire itself to find only roadkill next to a beautiful flower with nectar in. But the moment we begin to decide that we're going to do something different because You've got to understand, you are not your thoughts. Maybe some of you need to hear that. You are not your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. You can direct where your thoughts go. Because the Bible says God has given us a powerful weapon in His Word. And His Word has the ability to dislodge those thoughts that are holding us captive and open the prison door and declare over us what God says over us. Because you've got to realize every prison you are in has zero locks. Because on the cross, Jesus unlocked all of them. So that you and I can be free. So our desire is with this topic. is really for you and I to decide that we are going to start a journey of finding flowers and ignore the roadkill. And that we're going to ask the Holy Spirit over time as we direct our thoughts because of the new nature of Jesus on the inside of us, that our minds will be rewired and we will become a people that only look for flowers. Because I can tell you this one thing, feeding hummingbirds next to your house, by the way, is a terrible idea. I'm just saying. Because the bees are going to make a nest in your house <laughs> because where the sweetness is, the bees are going to come. But there is something so magical about a hummingbird, so beautiful. 
I don't think there is a hummingbird that goes like, where's the roadkill? Listen, we are new creations in Jesus. In us is the nature of something that yearns for the words of heaven. And my prayer is that you and I will sit in this new identity and begin to shut our eye to the old rotten things that are holding us bondage. Can I pray for you? Yeah? Let me get to this camera. Let's all close our eyes wherever you hear my voice right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are the God of all creation. You are the God that breaks the bondage of toxic thinking. Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us the very thoughts that are are the diminishing thoughts that are stealing from us our freedom and our new identity in Christ Jesus. Oh God, thank you that you've given us your spirit to help us in the moments where we meditate on rotting things. Help us to see the flowers of your word that we will be declare, begin to declare and read and learn and memorize what you say about us, oh God, that we will flourish and we will be alive. That is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.